Hola, hola. Welcome, everybody, to season three of the Chicago Techies podcast, a podcast focused on highlighting the voices of Chicago Techies and their experiences. This season, we will be hearing from seasoned entrepreneurs to rising stars making their mark. We'll dive into their triumphs, their challenges, and all the unique experiences that have shaped their journeys. I'm your host, Ceci Fisher Benitez. Thanks for joining us. Niharika, thanks for joining me on the Chicago Techies podcast. How are you? I am good. And thanks, Cece, for having me here. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. <laughs> excited to have this conversation with you. See, I'm like super, I'm like so excited that I'm like interrupting you already. Like even you're just saying hello. Um, but uh, you and I go way back now. Yes. Um, we, uh, I, uh, for those who don't know, I think most of people know because I've mentioned it a handful of times in the last couple episodes, but I was part of the Chicago Blend uh, Fellowship uh, recently in the, in the last year, and Niharika just happened to be my mentor. And I was so excited because Sal kept teasing me, like every time that I would see him. Like I, I'm so excited for you to meet her. I'm so excited, and I'm like, who is it? Just tell me. But he wouldn't tell me, and I really literally had to wait until I met you. And I was like, I get it now. I get why he was so excited uh-huh. because we have so much in common, and I like respect so much the work that you do. So. I'm excited to to have you in the podcast and, and talk to you a little bit about your background and, and the things that you have done. Thank you. Um, so let's go back to the beginning. You know, tell me about you. Like, let's let's tell the people about you, who you are, where you're from, uh, your pronouns and your current role. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks again for having me. My name is Niharika Hanglam. Um, my pronouns are she, her. I'm originally from India, born and raised, um, you know, lived in India for pretty much... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've actually only been in the U.S. for about 11 years now. Uh, while I was in India, most of my work was in healthcare and in education, um, essentially working in um, business models that typically serve uh, the needs of uh, populations that are typically located in the last mile. So, you know, think about extremely like rural or, um, you know, poverty stricken neighborhoods and so on. Um, so those were the types of communities that I worked for uh, when I was in India. I moved to the U.S. about 11 years back. I've been in Chicago for a little more than five years now. Uh, currently, I'm the program director at the Kaplan Institute, which is the Tech Entrepreneurship and Innovation Hub at Illinois Tech. Um, I run uh, a bunch of different programs here. Um, essentially, what Kaplan Institute is trying to do is build the entrepreneurial mindset among our students. So we really want for our students that, um, and and I think I need to like backtrack on this a little bit, but, um, you know, a lot of the students at Illinois Tech are first gen. A lot of them come from the south and west side of Chicago. Several of them are international. Um, And since we are the only tech-focused university here in Chicago, uh, our students, when they come into the university, they typically look at very traditional nine-to-five tech career pathways they don't necessarily explore opportunities outside of those traditional tech career pathways. Uh, and that's where Kaplan Institute really comes in. And, you know, we we hope that we're able to um, demystify what entrepreneurship and the world of venture capital is about and make it a little bit more accessible to students that typically don't have the networks or the connections or the role models um, in these sectors. So, 
that's pretty much my job. Um, I am here to serve communities, serve my students, and um, you know, just building up, um, building up the communities that I'm part of. Yeah, no, I love that, and thanks for sharing more context around all the things that Kaplan kind of stands for. I. I feel like that that's one of the only schools that I've known, no, you know, that, that does something like this, like this specific program. And we're going to talk more a little bit about that, that program specific because you had a lot to do with that program. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts about you, what influenced you to kind of go in that entrepreneurial route. Um, you know, anything from your upbringing in India that shaped that um, that interest or, or what kind of brought you here? Yeah. Thank you. Um, that's a good question. I think um, my why, I guess, um, is really, and, and, you know, it's definitely connected to like my origin story. Um, you know, my growing up, um, my dad was in a job that required us to move every couple of years. I went to seven different schools through my K-12, um, you know, traveled extensively and, um, oftentimes, you know, ended up in, you know, um, growing up in environments where we did not have access to running water, we did not have access to electricity, right? Like we would have electricity that was rationed, like we would get electricity for like two hours a day and so on. And, um, and I think, um, you know, those were more in my formative years. And then, of course, in my young adult years, I ended up, um, you know, living, experiencing life in uh, two of the biggest metropolitan like cities in India, Bombay and Hyderabad, Bombay, now known as Mumbai, uh, which is, of course, the financial capital of India. And uh, the lifestyle, the infrastructure that I experienced in these big cities, right, like Bombay is also considered, Mumbai is also considered the New York of India. I think it really highlighted the discrepancies that exist you know, uh, in the same country, like, you know, just geographically, we were not so far apart from some of those places that Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in, but um, recognizing the disparities that exist, I always knew that I wanted to find opportunities where I could try and like, you know, build up the communities that I'm part of and and really support um, making things a little bit more equitable. Um, I saw a lot of like inequity in, in, just my surroundings. And I knew that I always wanted to find opportunities and find work that allowed me to uh, just do a little bit more, you know, beyond just work. Um, Even when I was in business school, for example, um, a lot of people would call me like the NGO girl because they were like, why, why are you in business school? Like, why do you want to, why why do you want to do an MBA if what you want to do is like social impact? And you know, I really do believe that uh, we can have, um, we can create impact and we can have, um, we can, you know, we can do like more mission aligned work uh, and still, you know, have a relatively like good career and successful career and so on. So yeah. I think that's my why. Um, I know it's a little bit long winded, but I hope that answers your question. No, that does. I, I think that's a really powerful, like global perspective, perspective, right? That you kind of get to see because you saw two completely different worlds that weren't that far from each other. And as you were speaking, I was kind of thinking about my experience too. Like I, I grew up in, in a small village in Mexico and we also still to this day have two days running water. Yeah. Um, they're just starting to build infrastructure and like, and, and larger like roads and like cement in streets. Like, yeah. I think that there's definitely like a, 
some influence there in the in the type of careers that we want to to kind of guide us you know and be able to kind of support others and, and I think that's really powerful um and what better than social innovation uh, uh, social impact um so that's a great focus right um so I'm curious did you move straight from India to Chicago for work or how did that process go yeah so um I moved to the U.S. for love. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So um, yeah, I moved. I moved to the U.S. to be with my now husband. Um, you know, um, and and you know, when I when I moved here, this was way back in 2013. So you know, like I said, coming up on 11 years in Feb uh, 24. But um, when I first moved to the U.S., I was really trying to identify and figure out how I could translate the work that I had done in India, you know, in a more U.S. international setting, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up finding my way into the World Bank's Innovation Labs in Washington, D.C. I was part of the Social Enterprise Innovations team. I worked at the World Bank for almost six years, uh, working on various projects focused on s- supporting social entrepreneurs and, um, you know, identifying, like, uh, tech innovation and innovation projects that we can like really scale up um, at, at a government level. You know, the World Bank typically works with governments, whether it's uh, country, state or city governments. So we did a lot of work uh, supporting government agencies um, and, and, and amplifying some of the work, some of the critical work that needs to take place. So, um, yeah, I, I, w- I was in Washington, D.C. for almost six years and then moved to uh, Chicago about five and a half years back. And when you moved to Chicago, you had the opportunity to work with Second Muse. Uh, that yeah, I, I I was looking at your uh, your LinkedIn, and I was like, oh, I know them. Uh, we are you know, Get Cities is pretty yes. popular here in Chicago right now, and it has been for a few years now. Um, how did you land that role? That's a great question. So uh, you know, I, I some people who know me know know the whole story, but. Uh, I have, I guess, never really like said it out loud. Um, <laughs> so when I was in, at the World Bank, of course, uh, Second Muse is a great organization for folks that, that don't know what Second Muse does. Please go check them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Second Muse is an amazing organization. They typically, uh, the, the model that they apply is, um, you know, they, they do a work, bunch of different like projects across a few different domain areas. They typically try to do like these pilots that they hope will scale up and become like full like entities and organizations, right? Um, they have some really cool projects in the climate tech focus, mental health, and of course, GET Cities, uh, GET stands for Gender Equality in Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, it's being incubated within Second Muse and it's funded by Pivotal Ventures, which is Melinda Gates Venture Arm. Um, so I knew of Second Muse through my time at the World Bank. Um, I knew about Get Cities as a project even before Get Cities had a name. <laughs> uh, so that was cool. So I kind of like knew, you know, what was what was being planned back in the day. And then when they were looking for, um, you know, when they were looking for folks to come in and support what they were trying to do when they first launched in Chicago, I ended up actually being uh, the first hire for Get Cities in Chicago back as, uh, back in the day as a consultant. Um, and in that role, I uh, my job was essentially to try and understand what programmatic interventions uh, Get Cities could develop. And as part of that work, I um, think I spoke to more than 100 organizations in Chicago and some nationally, uh, spoke to more than 150 senior leaders, uh, wow. you know, C-level executives and so on. And that was 
probably like four months uh, of work. Wow. <laughs> um, and, you know, this was also, uh, I started working there in March 2020. So this was also right during COVID. And oh, like, yeah. That's like the epicenter. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. I mean, backstory is that I was actually working for the World Bank uh, and I really wanted uh, an in-office job because I wanted to like build community and meet people and like go out and, you know, build friendships and, you know, build community here in Chicago. And uh, once uh, I signed the dotted line on that contract uh, and then started working for Get Cities, never saw the inside of an office <laughs> thanks to COVID. Wow, yeah. But uh, for what it's worth, COVID made access to these organizations and to these senior leaders very, very easy. Uh, so we were able to like do some very meaningful work. We were able to adapt very fast to uh, the pandemic. Um, and yeah, you know, I was there for a little more than a year uh, before I came to uh, Kaplan Institute, but very proud of the work that um, I did while I was there. And uh, it's kind of serendipitous of sorts, but I'm now back um, working with the Get Cities as part of the Tech Equity Working Group. Um, you know, for those of you that don't know, it's a coalition of about uh, 25 uh, organizations here in Chicago, essentially yeah. trying to make the tech, um, tech and innovation ecosystem here in Chicago a little bit more equitable. So um, I'm a member of that. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting because That's you know, it helps shape what it could do. And then I'm now back in some of the workings that it's actually doing right now. Yeah, no, I'm a huge fan and obviously also very involved with it too. I'm part of like the Tech Equity Network and we were yeah. part of the Mentorship Learning Lab with the Latinas in Tech Mentorship Program. So as a program manager for all of those things, I get to be involved in all the things with them. So a big fan of that team. Um, so I had to ask about it. I'm like, oh, how did you go? How did you come across it? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you you know you mentioned after that role, you went straight to uh, the Kaplan. Yep. So I am curious about um, like that journey to academia. My father, while, um, so my father served in the Indian Army back in the day, but as part of his uh, role there, he was actually part of the Army Education Corps. Mm. Um, so, you know, my dad is a through and through academic. Uh, even after his retirement, he was a principal of several, you know, K-12 schools. Um, he won like the best principal award in like, you know, the region that he served in and so on. So I've always been very interested in academia. And uh, for a long time, you know, I was very, very intrigued and interested and in wanting to work in uh, in the world of academia. So I think I kind of manifested it years ahead, years back, you know, and I said, hey, I want to work in academia. And um, so so I, I think I kind of like manifested a lot of <laughs> a lot of what I do now uh, into into being. But yes, I, um, I've i never worked in academia prior to my current role. Um, I did do some guest lectures here and there for universities in DC back in the day, but um, this is my first official role working in a more academic setting. That's awesome. And it's program director of the Illinois, Illinois Tech Kaplan Institute. Well, I, I have, I, my official title is program director at the Kaplan Institute. Um, I also, um, I'm also part of the corporate advisory group at Illinois Tech. I'm on the advisory board for a 
a new initiative uh, that I'm really excited about called the Bronzeville Opportunity Engine. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm also the lead for the BIPOC subcommittee within the larger DEI committee at, uh, at the university. Definitely a lot of hats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, can you talk to me a little bit about that program, um, the, the, like the role itself? Like besides all the extra stuff that you do, like what was like the main core of the role? Um, so we run a bunch of different programs at Kaplan Institute. We run a startup studio, which is a community of practice uh, for budding and aspiring entrepreneurs. Uh, we run a startup accelerator every spring sem- semester where we typically run 10 to 15 different startups through the accelerator program, distributing up to you know anywhere between fifty to $70,000 worth of prize money. Uh, we have like a pitch day, like, like a demo day of sorts. Uh, that's always fun. Um, I lead uh, a program here called Genesis, which is Illinois Tech's first ever venture immersion program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a lot of students that are interested in the world of entrepreneurship, but don't necessarily want to become entrepreneurs themselves. And we were trying to figure out what are some of the other ways folks are interested in, you know, forming career pathways for themselves in this space. And of course, venture capital is, um, you know, an area of, you know, piece of the puzzle when it comes to entrepreneurship and innovation. Um, And we wanted to demystify what venture capital was all about to our students. Like I said before, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the students are first gen. A lot of them, you know, uh, come from the south and west side of Chicago. They're extremely hardworking. They, um, they, you know, they have a lot of hustle in them, but they don't necessarily know these, know these sectors they don't necessarily have role models or mentors in these spaces so uh genesis is really trying to demystify what venture capital is all about we um it's a very experiential program we've um we've been around for about a year year and a half serving more than 80 students um and and uh you know providing uh, some support uh to about 40 startups and uh, placing our students with, I would say, about 12 different venture uh, venture organizations. So, um, yeah, I'm very proud of the work we're doing here. And uh, it's it's been extremely um, validating to just see some of our students, like, career trajectories kind of take off in the space. Yeah, and I'm impressed. You said it was 40 startups? Yes. I'm assuming there's been more um, that come out of Kaplan, but, like... Yes. This is that's already a pretty hefty number, I think, for you know, for a new for a newer program for something that I've never really seen before like, yes. be done. I think it's really impressive. I, I'm like I was in awe when you were telling me all about what these students are doing, what they're like, you know, because I had that experience that you're talking about, like as yeah. a first gen also. Technically I'm an immigrant, but you know, I feel like a first gen. And I didn't have any of the of that education, any of that extra like introduction to VC. I had no idea what that even was. I didn't even know any tech roles, you know, when I was in in my college career. But I think it's super cool what you're all doing over there. And I feel like a lot of those students have like no idea how lucky they are and how privileged they are to be going through that that type of programming. Um, So curious of, you know, what have you seen as some of the challenges as as you kind of like lay this program out and what are some of the opportunities as well that you kind of see um you know kind of springing from this tech innovation at Kaplan yeah that's a good question I mean I think um the challenges honestly is you know um 
it's not challenge as much as I think it's like really shifting the mindset. Like a lot of our students, like I said, um, you know, I, I, this is not like an official statistic, but I will say I've been here for a little more than two and a half years. Um, 70 to 80% of the students I've interacted with all have jobs. You know, they're extremely hardworking. They're studying, but they also have jobs, you know, they're hustling. So it's, you know, they, they have their responsibilities towards their families, towards their financial security. So it's hard for, for us to, you know, show them that there are ways that they can like advance their careers in some of these sectors. Um, and, and, and have them be assured that this might be like a good career trajectory for them. And, you know, I think for me, I'm not necessarily saying, well, they need to be an entrepreneur or a VC from the get go. Like, you know, I, I, the, the one piece of advice I always say is go out there, get some work experience in, but, you know, know that this is, this is, and can always be an option for you, you know, if you mm-hmm. ever choose to in, later in life. Um, but I think it really is about shifting that mindset and, and making it possible to them, you know, making, making that concept possible. Um, so, yeah, I think that really is, I think the challenge is, I, I, I think that would be the main challenge, I would say. Yeah, I, I can't imagine how, how, I mean, how, I guess I'm trying to kind of go back to, to that time when I was in college and like, not really fully understanding the scope of what was presented in front of me at all times, right? So how do you emphasize like the importance of like these educational initiatives that are kind of nurturing all of these these future entrepreneurs? And and I mean, not not future because there already are, but how do you think our education system should be handling this, this entrepreneurial ecosystem? You know, um, as somebody who has had access to higher education, as somebody who has valued it um, tremendously, you know, just kind of growing up in the environments that I grew up in, um, I will say that it's not always about formal education. Um, I really think it is, it is about experiential learning. And that is another thing uh, that we at Kaplan Institute, like we really prioritize that. We really prioritize um, experiential learning, you know, meeting folks from industry, like bringing in subject matter experts who can really like set context and make things more relatable for our students. Um, and, and, And I think being able to see how what you're studying in a classroom setting translates into real world applications that's the biggest and probably the best way to learn um, any concept or a- any anything. You know, like a lot of sectors and industries, when I really think about it, it boils down to the jargon. You know, it boils down mm-hmm. to the language that people use uh, when it comes to venture and entrepreneurship uh, and just the world of startups. There's a lot of jargons. Like we talk about Tam Samsung and, you know, yeah. ROI and all of those things. And what does that mean, you know? Um, so so I think, like, really explaining that, but really explaining it in a way that makes sense and is relatable, um, I think that that is my emphasis in how I go about, um, you know, designing my programs and making sure that um, that that conceptual understanding is not just, uh, something that you're writing down in a 
theory like sort of answer but something that you can actually speak to because you've actually done the work you kind of spoke a little bit to like how you design your programs what was that process like to even come to this genesis program like was that something that the university had thought of or is that something that you kind of came in and wanting to kind of like revolutionize something right like and, and and start something or was that something already in the pipeline like how did that come about yeah, that's a really, really good question. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was definitely um, an impetus and, and, and uh, you know, um, there was definitely a lot of support for us to build out a program in this area. The original concept was not what it is today. You know, we have definitely gone mm-hmm. through a lot of iterations, a lot of experimentation, like understanding the needs of, our stakeholders and our students and our community. Um, I am a big believer in systems thinking uh, and systems design. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I go about figuring out how I want to conceptualize and design something, I don't, I say this all the time. And anyone who has heard me speak about my work has heard me say this like a dozen times. So I'm going to say it one more time. (laughs) (laughs) but I really do believe that the onus of success does not lie with the individual student entrepreneur startup. We have to build up the systems and the processes up for success. We have to build the systems and processes that allow for all of our stakeholders to succeed in equal measure and, you know, offering them all the opportunities that they could potentially have. So, um, Quote me on this. I've literally like said this so many times. Um, and, and I'm a firm believer in that. So I think when I think about how I design my programs, I, I think about all the pieces of the puzzle that needs to kind of like come into play. Uh, I'm one individual, you know, uh, this is also my job, hypothetically speaking, if I were to leave or someone else were to come in. Like, I don't want something like this that is larger than me. The impact of this is larger than me. It's larger than even Kaplan Institute or even the university in some way, right? Mm -hmm. This stuff needs to exist in collaboration and in continuity. And I think for me, that is very important to make sure that those processes are being set up so we succeed as a community and as an ecosystem. Yeah, I love that. I think that's kind of the way I see programs as well and how they should be done and addressed one person for a program is a lot you know and i i run three different programs at our at at latinas in tech and and i always kind of try to design things that are sustainable um and that doesn't always require like one person you know or at least it doesn't just it's not just me who can run this let's shift gears a little bit to kind of like your path still you know to to this like this social innovation space this entrepreneurship space you also serve on the board of directors for the delta institute can you can you talk about the delta institute and what it is and kind of like your how you support them yes thank you so much for asking me that question delta institute (laughs) is an amazing organization that um i'm just such a big uh, fan of what they do and I'm a proud uh, board member. I've been serving on the board for about three and a half years. Um, I'm also the chair of the development board and I also serve on the executive uh, committee here. Um, 
So yeah, Delta Institute is a Midwest focused nonprofit. Uh, they do some really amazing work in the climate sustainability space. Uh, they do a lot of work around agriculture resilience, mm-hmm. urban land use, and so on. Um, one interesting fact that I'd like to share with your audience is that uh, Delta Institute actually designed Chicago's first ever waste management strategy. So, oh, wow. Yes. Um, so Delta Institute is an incredible organization, some amazing people. The community is amazing. Um so I'm just I'm just a huge fan of what they do, and I think it's really important work. Uh, what what they're doing right now, you know, um, of course with climate change and all the all the challenges that brings with us. I think we need more organizations like Delta Institute to do some of this really important work for uh, the times ahead of us. Do they provide some education around climate change, or? So they do a lot of work with um, communities, with, uh, you know, local agencies and governments and other nonprofits. They actually also run a program called Boost, where they actually support um, startups and small businesses that work in this space, where uh, we just ran this program uh, called Boost recently, um, just um just a couple of weeks back, um, and, and we distributed $25,000 worth of prize money to four startups that participated and pitched oh, wow. in, the, in the boost demo day, so to speak. Yeah, I've been, I've been kind of very interested lately in, in, in sustainability, in climate change startups, even agricultural, because I feel like I grew up with agriculture. You know, I, my family had a farm. You know, we had animals. We had, we had uh, dozens and dozens of like mango trees. And I feel like I should be more in this, you know, like interested yeah. in this space because it is, I think it just kind of takes me home part of yep. it and like, and learning about the, like, the new type of machinery, the new type of software that is being built around this. And I'm like, oh my God, people's lives would change in Mexico if this like device yeah. existed there. You know, like it, I, I've been kind of slowly learning more about um, startups that are creating, uh, are focusing or have a lens in climate change and in agriculture and just things around climate. I think it's been really, it's been really fun to learn more about it. I mean, I feel like I've been clueless, but for the longest time until recently. So yeah. I've been pretty excited to to see organizations kind of doing more efforts around that. Absolutely. And and one amazing resources that I would like to share with you and for those, you know, that would be listening to this later, mm-hmm. uh, their Delta Institute has uh, something uh, called the DELS. Uh, so the Delta Emerging Leaders, it's a community of about, oh. I think, um, 30 plus professionals that all work at other organizations that form the uh, associate board at Delta Institute. Uh, it's an amazing organi- you know, community of bright, brilliant folks that are committed to sustainability efforts. So if you're interested, you should definitely apply and let me know. I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know a couple of people also like interested in energy and like, you know, um, and how that plays a role in all these things. Um, yeah. So that's that's interesting. Thanks for sharing. I'll definitely put it on the show notes as well, so people kind of can read about that those initiatives. Thank um, you. So now, like I guess, back to you. <laughs> um, I'm. What are some of the the skills that you think are are needed? You know, when you're an aspiring social entrepreneur or someone that is looking to kind of get more involved involved in the industry. Um, what are some of those? 
qualities that you are looking for? Um, I think for social entrepreneurs specifically, I would say empathy, uh, really understanding the problem that you're trying to solve, the communities that you're hoping to serve, and understanding the root cause of where those problems arise from. Um, it's very easy to say, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. But if you do not pay attention or focus on the problem that you're trying to solve and the communities that you're trying to build up, um, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be a hard, hard um, lesson <laughs> somewhere in there. It's going to be it's going to be a hard path. So um, and also I think social entrepreneurship in general is so much more harder, like, you know, because there's so many lives at stake and things like that. But um, I would say empathy and really understanding the root cause of why this problem needs to be solved even. Yeah, definitely empathy. I think that's one of the things that a lot of founders sometimes are missing, yeah. <laughs> especially that are not necessarily with, you know, focused in social entrepreneurship at all. But it, I think that's still a key skill for anyone. So what would what advice would you give uh, people that are trying to make significant change and um, and creating these new, you know, ideas, new, mo- new new business models, new entrepreneurship? Like what advice would you tell them to keep in mind? This is um, I think it's a very loaded question in some sense because you know, um, through my work and of course, you know, I've been I've been working with um, aspiring entrepreneurs for years and years now, even, you know, even since my time at the World Bank and even before that, actually. Um, I think entrepreneurship for the sake of entrepreneurship, I don't think that necessarily works. Um, so let me let me just say that out loud. <laughs> um, I think entrepreneurship for the sake of advancing an innovation or an idea or solving a problem that your community is facing, I think that um, I think that is really important to identify. Um, and it's really about identifying it, right? Like it's, um, so I, I guess my advice would really be to understand what you're trying to do, understand its impact and solve for some of the challenges that are going to come your way. Um, and it's easy to have them done. Um, it's, it's not easy to do that. Uh, but I think it's very important to contextualize what you're trying to do with uh, with your business model, with your service delivery model. I think it's very important to contextualize that. And oftentimes, I find that if an entrepreneur is trying to do something and they don't, they themselves don't have lived experience in that problem or in that challenge that they're trying to solve, that they're not going to fully get that. You know, they, they're not they're not going to understand what it might take to to succeed. Yeah, that's that's one of the first things I ask people when they tell me they're building something. Yeah. I'm like, why you? You know, like what happened to you? Like, what is this? How how are you connected to this? It's always really, it's always curious when people are really like they have a lot of personal experience on it, and you can tell when they don't. When it was an idea that just came, and that they want to, they they think they can, you know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, thank you for that. I know that was a loaded question. I think I like to just kind of, you know, keep people on their toes. 
<laughs> we can start wrapping up. I, I'm curious about what are some projects or upcoming projects or what are some exciting things that you're looking forward to? That's a great question. <laughs> it is something I'm very excited for. Um, so I mentioned this right in the beginning. Um, I am uh, I'm on the advisory board for something called the Bronzeville Opportunity Engine. It's a new initiative uh, of Illinois Techs, um, essentially working. Um, what, what we are trying to do is um, we so we got very lucky. We got we received a congressional grant and we are opening up 16,000 square foot of space um, in the in the tower. Um, you know, we fondly call it the tower, the Gavin Tower in uh, on our main campus. And um, the Bronzeville Opportunity Engine is an initiative designed to basically support economic development, workforce development, and support for startups and small businesses in the Bronzeville community. It's going to be housed within Illinois Tech, and I'm very excited for this um, project. This actually sits outside of Kaplan Institute because, like I said, it's a much larger initiative designed for the the Bronzeville community. Um, I'm hoping to play a small role in this as part of, um, you know, the advisory board. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to um, support this initiative. I'm very excited for this, uh, this work. So um, yeah, TBD, but, you know, if anyone in uh, the audience listening to this, if they want to get involved or learn more, uh, they should definitely reach out to me and I'm happy to chat more with, uh, with folks. Yeah, that sounds like a great opportunity. It sounds like an, an awesome project. I would definitely be interested in learning more about it. Just learning more about it. How can people connect with you? Um, how, where can they reach out? Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn is a great place. Um, I'm always open for coffee chats. And, uh, you know, if someone wants to get on a Zoom call with me and if I can support anyone has any questions, wants to get some career advice, um, happy, happy to brainstorm and find a way I'm always open to making new connections and supporting folks i can definitely attest to that we had great coffee shot chats and they were always very insightful and i always felt like i learned a lot more a lot of new things with you so thank you for joining me on this conversation thanks for coming to the podcast um it's been great i love what you're doing i'm a huge fan of you and i will always go thank you so much cc for having me appreciate the time (laughs) thanks have a good one okay bye Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Chicago Techies podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review on iTunes. Let's continue the conversation on social media. We are at Chicago Techies on all social media platforms. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.